y'all. Welcome to Truth's Table, midwives of culture for grace and truth. I'm McKemini. Oh, you hear those crickets, see? Uh, I do. Uh, where's Michelle? Where in the world is Michelle? Well... <laughs> You know, Michelle is out there saving the world. This is what she does, y'all. So she's not at the table with us today, but don't panic, (laughs) y'all. There are still three of us here at this table because it is Black Girl Magic interview time. Woohoo! Awesome. Um, (laughs) We are excited. Okay, so our Black Girl Magic spotlight is on Lisa V. Fields. Lisa is the founder and president of the Jude 3 Project, a Christian apologetics organization dedicated to helping the Black community know what they believe and why. She has spoken at evangelism, apologetic, and biblical literacy events at various universities and churches across the country. She has a passion for teaching the Word of God. She believes it is important for Christians to engage the culture and represent a biblical worldview. Above all else, Lisa hopes to be marked by her love for God and people, because in her mind, that is the only thing that really matters. So welcome to the table, Lisa. How you doing, sis? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you said LV Fields, because a little known fact is me and my mom have the same name. We just have different middle names. Oh, I see. So, yes, girl. Like you said, the beautiful oh. issue. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I love what you what you women are doing. It's fantastic. I'm a fan of Truth's Table, and um, you are amazing. Oh, thank you. Hey, Lisa, what does that V stand for? Victoria. Victoria. All right. Yes. Just, be, just being nosy. Just being nosy. That's all. Just wanted to know. Victorious. <laughs> help me, God. Help. I'm still on that Black Music uh, episode. Help us. Okay. It's like <laughs> It's lingering, girl. It's lingering. It's lingering. No, Lisa, seriously, here's the thing. We uh, here at Truth's Table, we want to be able to highlight um, women who we think, we, we won't just interview women either, right? But we want to, uh, for our Black Girl Magic interviews, we want to be able to highlight women that we admire, um, who we have learned a lot from, who we are just like thanking God for. Um, and so Lisa is one of those women. And so we're just honored. Re- seriously, we're honored to have you at this table. We really are. Oh, thank uh, you. I appreciate it. Yes. And we, we just feel like, well, our listeners will love Lisa because we love her. So, <laughs> <laughs> so okay. why don't you tell us, tell us about your, your story, your testimony. And yeah, who are you, girl? <laughs> yeah. So um, I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida as a pastor's kid. Um, my, mm-hmm. my father's a pastor. Um, grew up in church all my life. Gave my life to the Lord in middle school. Um, but it wasn't until college that I felt like my faith really became my own. Um, and oh. so my second year of college, I was like, I, I got into Christian hip hop and oh. Flame CD Rewind. I'm not sure if you've heard it, but he really goes into hermeneutics. And I was like, Hmm, this is interesting. This is a term I hadn't heard before. Uh-huh. And so I was like, I want to take a new Testament course at my, at my university. I was at the university of North Florida at the time. And, um, I took it thinking it was going to be like Sunday school, never really questioned <laughs> my faith or had deep thoughts about, uh, the authority of scripture. It kind of just all was, I kind of accepted it. Um, and so 
our textbook was Bart Ehrman, and uh, he mm. tries to undermine scripture. He's a, a New Testament critic and a professor at U University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that really rocked me. I was like, wait a minute, like mm-hmm. textual criticism, all this stuff really threw me off. And I really wrestled with that. And through that, my dad introduced me to RZIM Ministries. And I remember just wrestling through just scripture, wrestling through the information I was getting from apologists, wrestling through the information I was getting in class and just struggling and really pouring my heart out to God and in on my bed in my room crying. And my, um, my Bible just opened and it was, um, the passage where, uh, the, uh, Jesus said, you had to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the disciples and and they, people left and he looked at, and he was like, well, he looked at Peter and said, will you also go? And Peter said, where mm-hmm. can I go? Um, you have the words of eternal life. And from that moment, something just clicked for me. Like, you know, I might not know all the answers, but yeah. this has been something that sustained me my whole life. How can I leave now? And wrestling through that. And I was like, you know what, God, I might not have all the answers, but I'm going to commit to finding the answers and commit myself to helping people find answers. And that was the aha moment for me as it relates to apologetics. When I realized too, that there weren't many African-Americans leading the charge in this field. Like I'm seeing resources and it's helping me. um, But I think we should see ourselves in this space. And so that was kind of my journey to, to, to getting involved in apologetics. Um, and then I went to seminary at one of the most interesting places in the world. If you're black, I moved to Lynchburg, Virginia. Uh, oh, Lord, oh Lord, that enough. Whoa. It's enough to, uh, on a whim, like this was straight face move. I went to Liberty because it was like, when I decided to go to seminary, it was the only school I think still had open registration And I, I was like, okay, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it now. I think that was like the end of June. I quit my job at the bank as a banker and just went to seminary on a whim. Like didn't know anybody there. I just knew this was what God wanted me to do. Um, and went there on a strictly faith move. And that was a journey. Um, obviously, and I'm sure we'll get into it later and um (laughs) tell it all sis (laughs) my last year of seminary um started the jude 3 project because i really felt like god wanted me to start this and i think every part of my journey makes sense now looking back like they say hindsight is 2020 why i went to liberty one of the most conservative places you can be in the land and why i grew up in the black church and why i have my family dynamic the way it is all of it makes sense now as i'm working with different people um, so that's, that's, yeah, that's a little bit about how wow. everything kind of came together for me. Wow. That is, thank you so much for sharing about that. That is like, yeah, you have a very powerful testimony and it's not done yet, you know, cause <laughs> Jude 3 is just, it's, it's, it's taking off and it's, it's picking up. So, I mean, tell us about, uh, why you, uh, believe apologetics matters, you know, why, mm-hmm. why, why should, uh, why should it matter to us as Christians and to unbelievers, right? Why, why, should, why, why do you believe that this is something that is just so fundamentally important, particularly in our black context? What would you say is like, man, like, why is it important that Jew 3 really exists? Um, 
I think it's important to me because of my testimony um, Mm -hmm. and me really wrestling through that. And I think what I saw through that process is that there are legitimate questions as it relates to scripture. Um, And so we need to be able to answer those questions and to give a defense for the hope that we have. That's what Peter tells us um, to be able to give a defense. Um, and so I believe that it's important because people have legitimate questions they're bringing to scripture and scripture has legitimate answers for them. So we have the truth and we don't have to be afraid of the questions that people are, are, are asking of, of scripture. I, I love what my old Testament professor used to always tell us, um, God is big enough for our questions. Mm-hmm. And so yes. we can legitimately, you see through the book of Job, Job is answering, asking him questions and God is like he responds with questions but I think one of the healing portions of Job is that he gets to vent um his frustrations and I think we have to give people space to ask those questions and I think that's one of the reasons it's very important especially when Christianity has been whitewashed and hijacked um in in American culture and and African Americans especially are asking where do I fit in in scripture, do mm-hmm. does God really have something to say to me? Is this Christian God someone that is for African Americans? I think right. those are, are very strong reasons to why apologetics should be very important to our context because people, if they're seeing white Jesus, if they're seeing a whitewashed view of, of Christian history, they're yes. not going to be drawn to to a to that Jesus. Yes. Mm. Yes. Mm. That's good. That excellent. is good. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So, so I'm just curious, Lisa, I'm just chiming in here, Kimberly, with some questions, but I, I, I'm just curious as to what have been um, your biggest hurdles so far um, in the work that you're doing and maybe some of the, some of the moments of success that you've mm-hmm. seen already. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest hurdle is probably being black and a woman in a oh. Oh, evangelical. Really? Uh, oh, really? You don't say <laughs> I've never known that. <laughs> Apologetics is is pretty much dominated by white evangelical men. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I recently was in a meeting. Uh, well, t- honestly, all the meetings I'm in with apologetics leaders, I'm usually the only black person there, and sometimes I'm on, the only woman. So it's wow. it's dominated by white evangelical men. And so mm-hmm. me being not connected to a large network, I'm not, you know, in the SBC, um, I'm not in any of those big denominations. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like this girl is coming out of nowhere and saying she wants to do things apologetic. So it's foreign mm-hmm. to people being mm-hmm. single is a, mm-hmm. is, is an obstacle. Mm-hmm. Um, and in what ways, in what ways has singleness? That. Yeah. Drill yeah. Um, yeah. I think being single because people expect you to have some kind of male covering um, yeah, to do this yeah. work and they don't see a woman leading. So in in more of an apologetics context, it's more of a complementarian um, framework, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm not anti-complementarianism, but I'm just saying they don't have space for a woman that's single leading yeah. the organization. Yeah. And so it's always like you have to preface, like, I'm not trying to be a pastor. I'm not trying to be an elder of a church. Uh, I just really am passionate about apologetics. And they have no framework mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. women in ministry outside of mm-hmm. uh, being a wife and bearing children. 
And Ooh, so girl. it's hard for them to conceive what I'm even doing. Um, and with me not being married adds um, a different dynamic. And the issue of, I think, men in conservative evangelicalism not knowing how to work side by side with women is a mm. problem. Um, when I, I work in conservative and liberal spaces, mm-hmm. liberal men are are very, very easy to work with. Conservative evangelical men, not so much. It's like they can't even look wow. you They don't have any kind of framework <laughs> for how to engage. And that, that's not all, but it's it's a lot. Um, so now, <laughs> with the conservative men, are, are, are you, like, when you're interacting in those spaces, do you feel like you're uh, hyper? Like, do you... Do you feel like you are kind of, you know, with women, with black women, it comes to we are either hyper, you know, visible or we are uh, very much in I'm sorry, hyper visible, right? Or super invisible. So which is that the dynamic? Is it like invisibility that's happening with conservative men where are you completely ignored or like what is that interaction like? I'm just I'm not curious ig- about that. I'm not ignored because they've seen what I've been able to do through G3. So it's mm-hmm. like they have to engage me, but they've it's like they've never known how to interact with women that that are in the same leadership role as them. Right. Like we right. both lead an organization. So it's not like I'm trying to work under you. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to work side by side with you. Mm-hmm. It's like they don't have a framework for that. Um and so that, that's been my, so they have to work with me. They just don't know. It's like new for them. They don't know how to navigate that space. Yeah. Wow. Sure. And I would have, yeah, I know. And then how would that uh, impact like funding? How, how has fundraising like as a black woman in this space and with this organization, Drew 3 Project, how has that been? Has that been challenging for you? Yeah, it's been challenging because when we talk about fundraising for the African-American context, evangelicalism has this thing where inner city and black are synonymous. So (laughs) if you're not working explicitly in the inner city or church planning, they don't really have a framework as they don't really understand necessarily why I should be giving to this. Um, Because I feel like their to them mission is so singular focused on planning churches in the inner city hmm. that they don't know how to give to a, a, a apologetics organization that's specifically for the African-American context because they're like, so is that like inner city ministry or is that like racial reconciliation? Like where you're trying to just say, it's, no, it's an, just like you give to RZIM or just like you give to Josh McDowell ministries. It's just for the, african-american context and they don't really have a it's like just not having a framework um for it yeah so so, and so what would be some of the highs it seems really clear that um some of the parts some of the very parts that make you who you are lisa that the lord has fashioned you to be are some of the things that because of the way other people see you become stumbling blocks i'm wondering if there are are experiences that you have found that have been particularly rewarding or where in which maybe a part of the identity that you have, you've been able to use strategically um, to go about the work that you do. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, it makes you resilient uh, because you mm-hmm. find creative ways to get <laughs> the work you have to get done. And um, I, I thank God for every no 
or every uh, misunderstanding because it's helped build character. It's helped strengthen my faith. And it shows me how God can work outside of the systems that we have in place. Um, So Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. partnerships I've been able to build across denominational uh, barriers. So me not having a denomination, denomination affiliation specifically helps me. So I'm able to operate in and out of different denominations because I'm not affiliated with one specific denomination. So it's helped me to bridge gaps and bring people together, create conversations across denominations that probably wouldn't exist if I was associated with one group. Um, Funding, I think it's helpful when you, especially working in the African-American context, this is something that Mm -hmm. I'm looking at is that like getting funding from maybe a white evangelical group Mm -hmm. maybe caused me to lose credibility in black church circles. Uh, And so while mm. I may be disappointed with not receiving funding from that denomination, it helps me because it helps me to be effective in the de- in to reach the people I really want to reach. Um, right. And it doesn't silence me. So I'm able to say what I want to say mm-hmm. without worrying about cutting off my funding because you're not funding me anyway. So you can yeah. critique me, but what are you going to do? What really <laughs> can you do? Um, right. we, know, we know a little something about that. <laughs> this seems familiar. <laughs> we know a little uh, something about that. <laughs> while it, it's a slow crawl as far as funding, it's, it causes me to be creative. And God has made provision every step of the That's way. Right. I mean, I may not have as much money as I would like, but he has made provision constantly in ways mm-hmm. and doors that I didn't see opening. Mm-hmm. Like, God, I was just really struggling on how something was going to get paid like two weeks ago. And mm-hmm. I just went to the PO box and there was a check in there from like really unexpected <laughs> source that wow. took care of everything. And it's just like things like that. God is, mm-hmm. keep, he keeps uh, doing. So I'm just, I'm amazed by how he's made provision outside of the systems in place. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in that way, there's only one person to give credit. Right. So yeah. Um, that's, that's a really encouraging, encouraging story. Thanks for sharing that with us, Lisa. So, so you are an apologetics woman. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I tend to think there are no new heresies under the sun. I just think the devil is just remixing the same stuff, but I'm, I'm curious, uh, what you would identify as uh, a couple of, well, whether they're heretical or just, uh, anti-gospel trends, that you're seeing that, but, but particularly impacting maybe the African-American community or yes. just broader American yes. um, Christian society or whatever, evangelicalism. So just curious, what comes to your mind when you're thinking, okay, these are the things that are coming up against that are really presenting kind of an anti-gospel uh, mm-hmm. disposition? Well, like you said, there's no new thing under the sun. Somebody was asking me, what's the new thing? And I'm just like, <laughs> I think it's all recycled, like you're saying, Christina. Um, But what I'm seeing the pattern is on, I think, the issue of sexuality, um, which has been there because I mean, I always remind people Paul wouldn't have to write about it if it wasn't present back then. Um, Sexuality, uh, white man's religion. The authority of scripture for me is something that maybe I'm more sensitive to because that's how I first got into apologetics. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so, but to see that, um, 
there's so many people kind of undermining scripture. And I understand why they're doing it because of the history of evangelicalism. And I understand that, you know, there's racism within some conservative Christian movements. But I do think you have to, you know, take the meat and spit out the bones. So I can reject your racism, but then still hold to orthodoxy with scripture. And so I think that's something that right that's really that i'm seeing that is my biggest frustration um the 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 rejection of orthodoxy because of racism and so mm. um that's something that's really uh pressing for me and on my heart and something that i'm trying to do a lot of work in for the summer and throughout the year because i believe that's going to be our our next big battle in the african american church because everything falls Rise and falls on scripture. If we don't have scripture as our foundation, if we can't agree that it's authoritative, all these other issues about scripture kind of are irrelevant until we both agree that this book is authoritative. And mm. so for me, that's mm. that's really something that's near and dear to my heart mm. and something that no. I think we have to strategically navigate through. One of the reasons I do courageous conversations is to create dialogue within the African-American context from black conservative scholars on and black mainline scholars to show, Hey, there are black people who still affirm orthodoxy, but reject racism mm-hmm. um, to show that, we, <laughs> that it is redeem- this book is redeemable. Uh, so we don't have to jettison it because of the way people have used it against us. And I think um, that's, that's very important. Mm. That's good. That's good. good. Yeah. It's like we can walk and chew gum at the same time, people. We can. It's possible. <laughs> you know, we can re- we can hold on to orthodoxy um, and reject yeah. white supremacy. In fact, orthodoxy. orthodoxy. <laughs> Require yeah, it is orthodoxy. It requires that 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 we dismantle white supremacy, and so and, and courageous conversations is so awesome. Thank you for having myself and Christina on con- um, courageous conversations. I know that we loved um, doing sure. that, and uh, and I also share that passion uh, with you, you know, as 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 you do, Lisa, about. Um, you know, the people rejecting orthodoxy due to racism. And how would you, I know that you, you mentioned people undermining scripture. How specifically are you seeing that um, manifest in our own generation um, right now in our times? Like what, what are you seeing? Like what is, what, what is that that thread right now where it's like people are really attacking scripture on this point, or they're really attacking orthodoxy on this, 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 this point. Is there, can you pinpoint, you know, a, like a particular, uh, a specific way that people are undermining, um, scripture? Um, yes. Anything come to mind? The rejection of certain portions. So, um, mm-hmm. so the, I, I've seen a lot done on saying, okay, the slaves submit to your masters. So, if I don't, if, if I'm imposing transatlantic slave trade in that passage, then I'm going to struggle with anything Pauline. Um, mm-hmm. And so the rejection mm-hmm. of Pauline's passages or um, saying, well, Jesus's words are primary and Paul's words are secondary. So I can mm-hmm. reject Paul and just focus on Jesus's love ethic. Um, kind of the Jesus seminar kind of type thing. Um, red letter focus, um, also not knowing how to 
um, engage the Old Testament in light of the new. And so kind of the rejection of the old and just focusing on the new. And so I'm seeing those ways, those things helping to undermine people's view of scripture. Um, So we, I I think we have to accept the whole thing as God's word in order for this, this to, to make sense, um, our faith. Um, And I think one thing in, in Jesus and the disinherited Howard Thurman talked about something that I think is so vital for us understanding how people are, are feeling about the new Testament and Paul's words. Um, He talked about how he would go to summers to Daytona to read the Bible to his grandmother and she would let him read the gospels and she would allow him Mm -hmm. to read Paul. I mean the Psalms. And he asked her grandma, why can't I read any of the letters? And she said, my slave master used Paul's words against me and I vowed never to read him again. And so um, I think that kind of that story to me shows why some people are rejecting portions of scripture and how that hurt um, kind of affects people's view. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why I had Christina on to talk about bitterness and, and the Christian and, and apologetics and how that intertwines. Cause I think you, you, that bitterness, if you're viewing scripture through and using bitterness as your lens to view scripture, your truth will always be distorted. So. Mm, that's good. That's a really, really good vignette there. Yeah, wow. That's a really powerful narrative too. I mean, mm-hmm. that story, you can think about what that sounds like in today's context too. Um, not only as it relates to race, but gender and other, other re- things related to identity as well. So, um, so Lisa, let's say we have someone listening right now that's like, mm, this is interesting. Apologetics. First time I'm hearing mm-hmm. about this, this like you know, knowing that they're they're familiar with it, maybe, but really having a moment when they're hearing someone really talk about pursuing this. And what advice would you give them to someone who's like, this sounds interesting. It, it, this is something that I think maybe um, I would could be a part of. What would be the first things that you would say maybe to read or to consider, or like what would be the the Lisa recommended action plan for Truth Tables listeners who are now interested in apologetics. I would say yes. study the whole uh, book of First Peter. Mm. Um, mm. I think sometimes when we look at that verse and narrow uh, defense comes to mind, we feel like we got a debate. Uh, but Peter talks a lot about our behavior mm. um, oh, being yeah. our, oh, yeah. our primary form of defense and not necessarily our words. Because if, if your behavior isn't there, your words fall on deaf ears. So I feel Come like, on. you know, reading and studying that passage in context and a larger view and see how God wants us to live in light of the gospel we preach and in light of what's been done in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important. Um, and then studying books. Um, Josh McDowell uh, has a lot of great books out there. Um, Ravi Zachariah has a lot of great books. Chris Brooks has mm-hmm. urban apologetics mm-hmm. and, you know, G3 is pumping out content. We hope to to get a curriculum out sometime early next next year. Um, All right. And so All right. That's great. those yeah. kind of are resources. But I think staying grounded in, in scripture and knowing the truth, I think um, before we start to study cults, we need to make sure we know the Bible. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, I love yes. the way how, how uh, counterfeit money 
how we're how mm-hmm. they train to detect counterfeit money. They get, put them in a room with real money first and let them touch and feel and get acquainted with the real thing. And then they stick a, a fraudulent, um, mm-hmm. some fake money in there. And so then they're able to detect it, not because they know every fraud, but because they know the truth well. Yes. And so I think we need to know the truth well enough to detect frauds because it's impossible to study every call out there. Mm-hmm. But if I get well acquainted with the truth, I'll be able to de- to detect fraudulent in a minute. Excellent. In a minute. In a minute. That's great. That is wonderful. Like now thinking about Jude three project, uh, I just, I love the book of Jude. Um, you know, we, we need to be able to contend for this, the faith. I know that's the foundational scripture, mm-hmm. uh, for, uh, Jude, the Jude three project. Um, and what is in your mind's eye, your wildest dreams, you know, for or goals, I should say goals or dreams for Jude three project. Where do you see, um, your organization going? Ideally, if you had all the funding, if you had all the staff, everything you needed, what would it look like? Um, yeah, cast that vision for us. <laughs> and hopefully somebody runs and picks it up. Come on, people. Um, <laughs> curriculums, uh, Media, especially, uh, I do a lot with video. I'm mm-hmm. um, trying to push video content, but my my big goal and big dream would be to have a a a, a seminary that helps equip, mm. um, kind of like a HBCU feel, um, sure. but, yeah, uh, yes. with biblical orthodoxy and also the identity portion, because I think it's hard for me now to refer people to any particular school uh, mm-hmm. because of the stuff that I know Girl. that goes on. Um, that The t- stories I hear constantly, the emails I receive from the racism that people endure in conservative evangelical s- seminaries. Right. And then on the more progressive schools, like the lack of orthodoxy that's present or the jettison of the authority mm-hmm. of scripture. So it's kind of like there's no both and space. Mm-hmm. And so um, I would my goal and maybe that'll be towards the end of my life and I'll see that happen uh, would be mm. to create a facility, a, a school or an accredited school that provides that uh, for people. Mm. Wow. That is just, my heart is like leaping <laughs> within me, like seriously, because um, I think, uh, you know, as a, you went to Liberty, you know, uh, I went to Westminster. I think the reality is that these evangelical seminaries, I think like you, I mean, for me, I didn't really know really where I was going. I just knew that the Lord had led me there, you know. Um, but, but like you, I think I struggle to, uh, recommend any evangelical institutions because they're all the sunken place. <laughs> and I think in some, I'm just being honest, in some very real ways, black students can be lobotomized and I really don't want to be a willing party. <laughs> to my brother's sunkenness, okay? <laughs> so I don't want them to sink, you know, and not rise anymore. <laughs> and so I just, so I think that that's very, that's very real, you know, and I know that you can relate to that because you went to Liberty. And so um, I, I just love that you want to build a seminary, y'all. Support Lisa. <laughs> oh. Let's be praying for you. Yeah. Seriously, I think that's, that's, that's huge. Yeah. That is just huge. Yeah. I, I love it. I love it. This is why you black girl magic girl. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and I look at Lisa. I don't even think that's a far fetched vision. I think that's a very no. legitimate, and I pray you live a long, fabulous life. I don't think that's an even an yes. end of a long life <laughs> execution. I think um, <laughs> so. Yeah, I think yeah. So you you have people listening to you right now who are like, yeah, 
let's move into that. So I think that's a fantastic goal and dream. And there's certainly people who need it, yeah. who would benefit from it. And I'll, I'll be praying and thinking <laughs> strategically yeah. about how to serve you towards that, towards yeah. that very fruitful goal. Um, Cause that would be a blessing, I think, to um, the American church right now mm-hmm. has a credibility issue. And so um, those of us who love, love her, who love the church that Christ died for are, are thinking about, okay, how do we, right. um, yeah. How, how do we restore credibility? Um, and I, and I think that's mm-hmm. a really concrete um, suggestion one or vision that you just articulated. Okay. So we're switching gears now to, to mm-hmm. a little bit of fun, Lisa. Are you, are, are you game for that? Are you game? For I, I need fun in my life. Fun? I'm fun. <laughs> some games. <laughs> she needs some fun in her life. Okay, y'all. Some fun. Yes. Okay. So, I'm going to give you a speed round of questions. This is just the, you know, we want the real authentic Lisa to respond to these questions. Okay. Um, So that we can get to know you. So the first one up is Lisa, what's your favorite color and why? Uh, Black. Oh yes, girl. That's the right question. That's the right answer here. (laughs) It goes with everything. Uh, And I'm black. So it's all. (laughs) Well, there you go. That, that includes right there. Okay, all right. Okay, and if if you were a superhero, who would you be? Wonder Woman. Did you see the new movie? Mm-hmm. Have you seen Wonder Woman? I haven't seen it yet. Oh, you got to go see it. I, I I'm like excited to see. I probably go this weekend. Yes, <laughs> I thought it was pretty great, but I'm into that kind of stuff. But I thought it was, I thought it was pretty great. Excellent. So, okay. Well, thank you, Wonder Woman. Okay, um, now. <laughs> What biblical character inspires you and why? Besides Jesus. Now, you can't say Jesus because, you know, we all will say Jesus. <laughs> but give me a biblical, someone from the biblical narrative who inspires you and why? Abigail. Oh. Mm. Um, I just like the way she carried herself. Mm-hmm. Um, even when her husband was wrong, oh. she still mm. defended him. Um, and she just knew how to carry the situation. And so God vindicated her um, through that. But she handled herself well through the whole process. She didn't dishonor her husband. Um, she 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 gave David like a heads up, like, you don't want to dishonor God in this way. Like, you'll mess up your legacy. So yeah. she's, she's helping people, mm-hmm. protecting her husband who's still wrong, and just operating in a space of integrity. And to me, yeah. she represents how to navigate in integrity, even when you've been done wrong. And I think that's as oh. a woman, she has a lot to offer us um, in this day. So yeah, Abigail. that's, that's one of the, that's one of the favorite, my favorite passages to teach on. I used to call it what it means mm. to be married to a fool. Um, <laughs> literally that's what his name means. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, and I would teach that to teen girls about now, this is why you don't, want to get hooked up with a fool like so and unpack mm-hmm. that for them but that really resonates with me okay here's the next one so you i'm not sure if you got to listen recently to our um our black music episode but we, we should just call it the karaoke episode <laughs> <laughs> michelle was our human jukebox yeah, sing that for me too michelle sing that again um <laughs> But we all talked about what is our kind of own personal black national anthem. What would that song be? And so I'm curious, Lisa, what what song would you say is is the Lisa Fields theme song? Um. Oh, that's a tough one. 
<laughs> Probably anything by the Clark sisters or the Winans. Oh, girl, yes. Okay, I'm yes. a I'm a sucker for the Winans. Marvin Winans is the greatest all time male <laughs> vocalist. <laughs> so so he's a good singer. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. In the Clarks. Yes. yes. We love them over here. Yes, yes. Now now, Lisa, you did mention to us about what it means to be a black woman and to be a single woman navigating in the spaces that you're you're navigating mm-hmm. in. But let's just say this is the next question. Let's let's say um Mr. Wonderful gives you a call and wants to take you out on a dream date. What Lisa, tell me what's what are the the, the pieces that put together that dream date for you? What what's gonna be happening mm-hmm. at that date? Anything that doesn't involve somebody asking me about apologetics. <laughs> oh <laughs> what's my favorite scripture? The last two dates I've been on the opening <laughs> conversation was so what do you one was what do you think about the prosperity gospel? And Lord. Oh what gosh. is your favorite apologist or I don't know it just was draining something relaxing um that involves a lot of conversations so not the movies uh maybe a nice dinner mm-hmm. uh a walk on the in the park or something something where I could talk but not talk and something maybe fun like going to or, uh do go-karts or something like that Something just fun and relaxing and chill and doesn't involve talking about. I love Jesus. We've already established that. (laughs) (laughs) Did y'all hear that? Lisa is a normal person. Yes. She contains multitudes, brothers. So step up, all right? (laughs) That's hilarious. You talk about other things beyond apologetics, okay? She can. She can. For sure. For sure. Okay. So these are my my last two questions I'm going to throw out here. Now, are you a splurge shopper or are you a bargain shopper and why? Mm. Bargain. I'm very cheap. So <laughs> I get that from my mom. I wouldn't say cheap, frugal. Uh, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I don't. I I don't like to. I'm not a shopper either. So I don't like to shop. Uh, you get that from really, my mom. really. I'm, I'm like, wow. Tell me about this. I need a deliverance ministry. Yeah. It's, it's weird. <laughs> People think I like shopping, and they assume because I'm a woman, I like shopping, and I like chocolate. Two of the things I dislike. Oh, um, I don't like chocolate either, girl. I don't. Like I, I do. Either. Just just send me the pieces that y'all don't want. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I'm not really a shopper. Um, so I'm I'm very frugal when it comes to that. So yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And this is the last one. It is, okay. What was your favorite cartoon as a kid? Hmm. I think it was Batman for some random reason. I don't know why that was. (laughs) I think my dad watched it. My dad loves cartoons and I just used to watch it with him. So I think that, uh, that was, it's so random, but it was. Yeah, excellent, excellent. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Some father daughter bonding it was like Batman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, watch it because daddy did. That's yeah. good enough. <laughs> that is good. Well, enough. thank you, Lisa, oh, for, for persevering through that speed round of questions with yeah, us. That was most fun. Love getting to know you. Did a great you. job. You did a great job. Some of those questions were hard. I'm like, shoot, how did I that's good. So Lisa, tell us, um, please, this is your time to shine. Let us know your projects, um, where our listeners can find you on the internet streets. Just 
Tell it. Tell us all of it. <laughs> well, thank you. I wanted to say thank you again mm-hmm. for having me, Cumin and, uh, uh, and Christina. I really appreciated my time on here. I enjoy what you guys, you, what you women are doing. I think it's phenomenal, and I can't wait to see how God grows uh, Truth Table. Um, you can find me on uh, Jude3Project.com, and that's the number three. Um, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Jude3Project. We have an app uh, for um, biblical engagement on I, um, iTunes and Google Play. So it helps you kind of in your struggles. So it gives you an assessment of, of to identify your struggles and sends you scriptures based on that to help. And it charts your growth. Um, so that's um, that's on our website. We have a podcast um, that's on iTunes, YouTube, Facebook. We have video and audio version. Um, we have our HBCU tour that we're continuing in the fall. And so our dates will be posted within the next couple months. We have an, uh, two more Courageous Conversations coming up, which I'm excited to announce those. Uh, we love those. We love we'll, those. Have our, <laughs> our, we'll, ha- we'll be taking it to a bigger stage. We'll have a, a church has uh, partnered with us to finance where we'll have like a studio set up for the next one and it's going to fly in our guest. And so I'm really excited about that. Um, wow. And then uh, hopefully a curriculum um, by the top of next year. So those are some things we have going on and some more things will be coming up as I get uh, the go ahead to share them. Um, so I'm really excited. Yeah. Big things pop in. And little things stop it. Come <laughs> on, Lisa. You know, I ain't got no sense. So <laughs> we are so, 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 so glad to have you here. And so, yes, to our listeners, please follow Lisa on Twitter and Instagram, Lisa V Fields. Follow Jude 3 Project at Jude 3 Project. And also, Lisa, um, uh, if, if people want to give to your organization, how do they do that? Oh, yes. Jude 3 Project. There's a tab on there. Donate. It's right at the top. Uh, we want you to see it and give liberally as the Spirit of God <laughs> leads you to. Yes. <laughs> and it's on yes. Facebook. Uh, Facebook.com. There's a uh, backslash Jude 3 Project. There's a donate tab. Um, yeah. All, all that. Anything you could give would be greatly appreciated. Yes, I'm sure she'll take the kind that jingles, but she prefers the kind that folds. Lisa, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sitting at the table with us this week. I mean, we really do appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. We honor you. you. We admire your work. Um, we pray for you. And who knows? Maybe we could do a Jew 3 Truth Table collab. Who knows? Who knows what's in the future? Yeah, that would be great. Shoot, we need you consultant for us. <laughs> Anything I can do to help would be I would do I would love to do it. Uh, oh man, we <laughs> thank you so much, sis. Thank you for sitting at the table. And we want to thank our listeners for tuning in to our Black Girl Magic interview with Lisa V. Fields. Uh please tweet us your your thoughts about the episode. Use as always, use the hashtag Truths Table. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Truths Table or email us your thoughts at asktruthstable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe 
subscribe on the Satchel Podcast Player. Truth Table is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit Pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York, and we have been your hosts, Akemini, Michelle, and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.